What's up, guys? My name is Mark, and you found your way to the Out of Step SLC podcast. There's only a handful of good things about living in Utah, like how members of the church are extorted out of 10% of their income, which they jokingly call paying their fire insurance. We're the only state that offers caffeine and sugar-free Mountain Dew, Coke, and Pepsi, and our Great Salt Lake is shrinking and blowing up toxic dust, all because no one wants to get rid of their beautiful grass to conserve water. But what I love most about living here is the counterculture and the music scenes that I call home. I really think we have one of the hardest scenes in the country due to the overwhelming need to resist the right-wing religious culture that not only surrounds us, but stifles us as well. So guys, today I'm going to talk about the Dead Kennedys, a band that I absolutely love from the early days of punk and had a heavy influence on the in-your-face, fuck-you, political commentary, and the shock value that made punk and hardcore what it is. So I was introduced to the Dead Kennedys from the first Tony Hawk Pro Skater game when I was like nine, maybe eight maybe, with their song Police Truck, which honestly, guys, I'm fucking amazed was even allowed on the soundtrack, considering how controversial the band is, let alone how inflammatory their lyrics are. I mean, Police Truck is entirely mocking and protesting the police with the most graphic lyric from the song going, quote, Pull down your dress, here's a kick in the ass. Let's beat you blue till you shit in your pants. Don't move, child, got a big black stick. There's six of us, babe, so suck on my dick. It's <laughs> it's hard to say it's it's hard to say the lyrics without trying to kind of sing it because I've just I've listened to it so many fucking times. But considering how many literal little kids like myself played the living shit out of that game to the point where we, we were singing along to every song while tearing it up is nothing short of hilarious to me. I mean, we were being taught rebellion and protest without even realizing it and without our parents even realizing it. The soundtracks to those games had a massive impact on so many fucking kids. Hell, like, an entire generation of kids. And it's crazy to think about, but that's that's a topic for a different time. So I'm going to share a brief history of the Dead Kennedys and then talk about uh, some specific songs that I think left a dramatic, long-lasting impact on the scene. So they came into existence in San Francisco in 1978 when a vocalist by the name of Jello Biafra and bassist Klaus Floride found and responded to an ad put out by the guitarist uh, East Bay Ray. I mean, just already the cast of characters just based off of names is fucking dope. Not too long after, they found their drummer who went by Ted, and he was later replaced by the late D.H. Peligro. May he rest in peace. After, like, God, I think it was like a month 
of rehearsals. They played their first show in uh, a little venue called the Fab Map, which regularly hosted punk bands for like over 10 years at the time. And they developed a pretty big following in San Francisco and released their first recorded single, California Uber Alice, on their own label called Alternative Tentacles. Now, not long after that, they released a few more essentials like Holiday in Cambodia, Kill the Poor, (laughs) one of my favorites, Too Drunk to Fuck, which is just so fun to dance to, on their LP Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables. And Naturally, they came under fire very fast from the far right for not only having an incredibly inflammatory name, there were a lot of people that loved JFK, but the lyrics as well. And they also, I mean, their antics were just crazy. I mean, for fuck's sake, guys, Jello ran for mayor in 1979, and the videos... (laughs) <laughs> of his like uh his campaign videos are funny as fuck. At one point he's like vacuuming some leaves off of a plant on the st- on the street. I mean, I and mean, he finished in fourth. I just <laughs> I love it. I just I love this shit. So, in 1981, they released In God We Trust Inc. an 8-track LP and it included a fucking gnarly rendition of Rawhide. And pretty much every anti-fascist, anti-Nazi person's favorite punk song called Nazi Punk's Fuck Off. And it's played at like a blistering pace. And I would love to see it live because holy shit, the chaos that would ensue. And honestly, we need more of that message and that energy being spread because like, guys, it's not hard to see that we're watching the like democracy completely fall apart by so-called patriots. You know, the the guys that committed an act of terrorism on the fucking US Capitol who are bigoted thugs trying to push a fascist re- regime through misinformation and violence. I mean, fuck them. Right? Like, we don't need that shit. The world's already fucked up enough. We don't need that. And I do want to add the cover art for uh, In God We Trust, Inc. was fucking brilliant. So it has a cru- it's a crucifix made of American dollar bills with a gold Jesus um, attached to it. You got to see it. Like, look it up. Look at the album cover. It can, it's such a simple concept, but it evokes such powerful symbolism, and I just, I love it. So, after that, Plastic Surgery Disasters was released in 82, and the album cover is of a very, like, disturbingly small, malnourished hand of a black child placed in the palm of an upturned white hand. And... As I was, like, saying or alluring to, DK is super good at symbolism and imagery. Not just with their lyrics, but the art pieces that they choose as well. The credit for their album art and even their symbol goes 
to my absolute favorite artist by the name of Winston Smith. He's a fucking brilliant collage artist who makes some of the most shocking yet thought-provoking pieces of art. I highly recommend you go and look up his art because for me, it scratches that anarchist itch of showing the world what it really is and what we're really being fed. So anyway, to to get back on track, after plastic surgery disasters, they didn't release anything else until 1985 in an album called Frankenchrist. And this album is very significant because the cover art displays these Shriner guys. It's it, In short, it's a Masonic men's club that wear red fez hats and drive tiny little cars. But on the inside of the album was a poster done by the artist H.R. Geigers. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing his name right. And it's called uh, Landscape Hashtag XX or Penis Landscape, which was literally, it was nothing but a bunch of dicks and vulvas, right? (laughs) So the state of California tried suing them in 86 for distributing harmful material to minors. And Jell-O fought tooth and nail against the government the court wound up with a hung jury and he became a champion of free speech now when i i first heard about this in high school where a kid had done a presentation on jello and even then i thought it was dope as fuck even though like that kind of imagery like i can see why that would piss a lot of people off but the fact of the matter is he won And not so surprisingly, after that, he had to, you know, rub some salt in the fucking wound by uh, writing a song called I Fought the Law and I Won. And I just, I fucking love it when I see people just stick it to the man. You know, it's, there's something so satisfying about it. But it came with a price. I mean, it nearly bankrupted his record label. And even before, the lawsuit happened, the band was pretty well set on disbanding. I mean, they released uh, their last album, Bedtime for Democracy, and played their last show in February of 1986. So clearly, DK made a huge splash in the punk and hardcore worlds with pushing pushing the limits and just a hardcore DIY attitude, just constantly on the grind. And for me, there are a few noteworthy songs that I want to go into a little deeper, and I'll start with Holiday in Cambodia. So for some of you (laughs) who have played Guitar Hero 3, uh, this song was on there, and I played the shit out of it. That's where I was introduced to this song, and it was written to attack the rich and privileged American youth who think they understand the plight of the working class and generally, honestly, don't know how good they actually have it. And I can't stand these fucking people. I mean, with what I currently do for work, I'm dealing with this class of people on a regular basis and I want to put my head through a wall. They are so fucking entitled. They're so disconnected from 
everything. It it it's unbelievable. I mean, I never want to get to that point where I'm so disconnected from reality that fuck guys. It's <laughs> anyway, it also attacks the American government for doing absolutely nothing. Go figure. Um to stop the genocide that was going on under Pol Pot. And in it, Jello pretends to be addressing one of these youth and thinks a nice holiday in Cambodia will straighten them out. And fuck, guys, on top of that, the photograph used for the single showed the Thamastat University massacre, where a hanged corpse of a student protester was being beat over the head with a metal chair. It is incredibly graphic, super fucking dark. And I mean, if you find yourself curious, I warned you, this song scratches all the right places for me. I mean, with one of my favorite lyrics from it going, playing ethnic jazz to parade your snaz on a five grand stereo, bragging that you know how the N-words feel cold and the slums got so much soul. I have very strong feelings when it wants to when it when it comes to wanting to overthrow the wealthy ruling upper class and especially their yuppie ass kids. And this is no secret to those of you who know me. And fuck, if you're listening, yeah, fuck, now you know that about me. But I can also appreciate the photograph as it doesn't censor anything. What actually it, it shows what actually happens in this sick fucking world with something that powerful. Naturally, it draws a ton of attention to whatever the hell is happening happening. And that's the whole point. So another politically charged song. California Uber Alice is also a very strong protest song. As I mentioned earlier, um, it was firing on then Governor Jerry Brown. The coast was having like an issue with this infestation of Mediterranean fruit flies. And it was just they were killing crops, all this shit. So Jerry Brown had people going out and like spraying pesticides and stuff, but it was getting like really out of hand. The, uh, the infestation was there were police checkpoints like fucking everywhere where they would stop your car, search everything, take out any fruits and vegetables you had. Um, another thing was the infestation was getting so out of hand that at night when everybody was sleeping, Jerry Brown had a bunch of helicopters fly over the city and effectively bomb it with the pesticide, uh, which is called Malathion. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, It was specifically designed to kill the Mediterranean fruit fly. And there wasn't, I couldn't really find any evidence suggesting that it was like toxic to humans. I mean, Um, One of his people, when they were doing like a press conference, drank a glass of it to show that it wasn't like dangerous to humans. But one of the biggest complaints was it was like eating paint off of cars. So I don't know about you, but for me, I don't want to be breathing that shit in, you know, like 
yeah, it's no thank you. Jello was also convinced that Jerry's brand of left-wing radicalism was him just trying to re-educate the populace to like his way of thinking, as illustrated in this lyric. Zen fascists will control you 100% natural. You will jog for the master race and always wear a happy face. I will always believe that we need to challenge our politicians and even resist them in as peaceful ways as possible, people. I'm not saying burn the fucking city down, but we need to resist them every step of the way if necessary. And the dead Kennedys did this very well. Now, obviously, Nazi punk's fuck off has to be on the list. In the early days of punk, and unfortunately, modern day, once again, Nazi skinheads would show up at shows and pick fights or just flat out attack people. Dead Kennedys took a very hard stance against these types, and they would regularly get... (laughs) These fucking Nazis would regularly get their fascist asses kicked if they showed up to punk shows. It's also one of my favorite songs with just how fast and raw it is. It's a very simple, very powerful song, just like Straight Edge was to Minor Threat around this same time. Now, I have mentioned that I'm not a fan of law enforcement in the slightest, so Police Truck will always ring true to me as a stand against the ever-so-common police brutality, racism, and uh, we'll call it general crookery that has just infected our society. Folks, I mean, people tend to forget that the cops are not your friends, And, oh my god, guys, those of you who live here know the fucking irony of those lifted diesel trucks flying a Gadsden with, if you don't know what a Gadsden flag is, it's the don't tread on me flag, and then right next to it, a thin blue line flag. Like, don't you fucking get it? They're the ones who tread. If your, like, worst case scenario was to happen... They're the ones kicking down your fucking door. (laughs) It just, it blows me away how little people think, you know, it's, oh my God. So to end it on a little bit lighter of a note, there's a song they have called MTV Get Off The Air. Now it's a pretty goofy sounding song, but DK felt that and they're right, by the way, MTV was destroying music and people's minds as well, playing only mainstream dribble that was popular at the time and it didn't inspire creativity at all instead it encouraged generic non-edgy bullshit my god guys you know as well as i do mtv only got worse as the years went on with fucking like what the real life uh fucking cribs Jersey Shore. I think there's another one now called Florabama Shore. I mean, it's just, it's stupid. Don't watch MTV. Just don't. <laughs> so guys, there's, there's a lot to the dead Kennedys that I didn't really have a lot of time to get to in this episode. Um, I'll link my sources if you're curious and want to do more in-depth uh, research. Like I said, I adore this band. Just their raw energy, sarcasm, commentary on real issues. And they're not 
at all afraid of consequence. I mean, Jello at one point was saying, I want you to not like me. I want you to not like my music because that's just going to bring more people in, <laughs> you know, and he's absolutely right. I love how their music so easily translates into today. It's like 40 something years later. That's nothing to scoff at. So if you've been living under a rock and never heard of them or never listened to them, do it. I honestly, I suggest watching their performances on YouTube because they are so entertaining. I mean, Jello, like stage dives. He's like, he looks like he's just snorted like four lines of cocaine and dropped a thing of LSD with the way he's like slinking around on the stage and shit. It's so much fun to watch, but it's going to make you think. And that's the whole point. All right, guys, that does it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening, and please be sure to leave a comment and rating on your way out. I really want to know what you guys think. Find me on Twitter, at MarkTheImposter, and until next time, I'll see you in the pit.